0: Boys who like boys to be girls, welcome boys and girls to the second episode of Remember the First Time. We're celebrating twenty five years since the Brit Pop era, and this week we are covering Blur's Park Life. I'm joined by Mr Paul Falls. Hello, Hello, Paul. Hello. Aloha. And Charlotte Pearson. Hi Charlotte. Hi. How are we doing? Have we had fun since the first episode? Oh
1: yes, yeah. there's been nothing but laughs. Lots of fun yeah.
0: <laughs> Have you been listening to Blur's Park Life at or- all?
1: no not one but no i've listened to it far too many times is <laughs> that
0: a good thing or a bad thing
1: we'll find out
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh as with the previous episode we're going to be looking at the album in some depth uh we're going to be talking about the tracks do we like them were they the right singles and uh, what else are we going to be doing we've got an interview in this podcast who's
1: the interview with paul mm-hmm. the interview is with a lady called angie main she's um, now living in the north of England, just outside of Newcastle, but in the 90s, she was living in the Midlands and was managing Our Price and Virgin Megastores. So it's talking about a third time there and what it was like working in these record stores during that period.
0: Fantastic. Um, we'll talk a bit more about the uh, album too after that. Might even mention Phil Daniels once or twice. Have a look at how it was received and uh, whether we think it should have done better or whether it overachieved. We might also have a little bit of uh, audience interaction because, of course, plenty of you have been listening to the first episode. We are overwhelmed by how many people have you got. How many people got involved with that first episode, and we want you to keep on listening. Paul, how old how old were you when this was released? Uh, In
1: 1994, I would have been nine years old again. Still. Still.
2: (laughs) (laughs) A new Charlotte. I still would have been three years old. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs>
0: and I would have been ten. So again, as with the last album, maybe not all we were thinking about was uh Blur's Part Life. Well, we've since come to love that era of music. And since come to appreciate it even more. Do you uh, do you remember the release?
2: No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> what <are you> doing?
1: <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I remember the single do I mean, here, yeah, I don't, I don't really remember this album being
0: released. I remember my sister having the album. I remember seeing the album front cover quite a bit. Uh, and I also remember being at school, and I remember everyone used to do, but life, because obviously it was everywhere at that time. And everyone used to sing it and shout it in the playground. That's all I remember about it from the So yeah, so coming up, we are going to start delving into the album and, uh, Telling you what we think about it right now. So, Blur's Part Life released twenty fifth of April, nineteen ninety four, just over twenty five years ago. But can you believe in nineteen ninety? I love this, a year before Blur's debut album Dam- Damon Alburn said to a group of music journalists When our third album comes out, our place is the quintessential English band of the 90s will be assured. That is a simple statement of fact. I intend to write it in 1994 yeah. How do you feel about that, about him making that produ- prediction that early in their career?
1: Well, it even means that he was very much aware of what he was going to do or he was an arrogant bugger. Why not both? <laughs> I tend to think it's, it's more edging towards the
0: second of those. Yeah, definitely. He comes across with uh, quite some confidence, doesn't it, Albert? Especially in his earlier years. Mm. Yeah. It's...
1: Yeah, I read that quote as well. And... Arguably, is it, is it a self-fulfilling prophecy? As long as you write something that talks about Britishness... And you do it in 1994... Then you're saying well i told you i was going to do that how are you to deny that that's what we've done mate? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah but don't you think uh as a young band you've not released your first album and say you know what in four years time we're going to be releasing our third album and it is going to be this quintessential english album and that's what they deliver it's quite a statement to make i think to be fair whether it's arrogant whatever it is it's still um quite a quite a statement to then stick to it and to actually you know what prove that yes they were going to do that to have that vision
1: i think it's like an insurance policy almost it's so you get signed up for a record deal let's say they get signed up for a three uh, for a, a three album record deal well don't worry by the third album we'll have made the quintessential british album it's going to be fantastic it's going to sell fantastic amounts of uh across across britain it's going to be charting high all this and that so the the record company goes all right well there you go, do it. it. It seems like it's a bit of an insurance policy.
2: It's a pretty clever move. It's good marketing. Guaranteed to get some media coverage, isn't it? Mm. Really? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah. But you talked about how it's going to have a big record sales. It actually came off the back of Modern Life is Rubbish. Now, until I was researching this for Part Life, I didn't realise, being such a fan of Modern Life is Rubbish, the pre- of course, Blur's previous album, I didn't realise that at the time, it had actually disappointed in sales, um, and this album really rescued Blur. They were starting to worry somewhat before they came onto this album, uh, and part- line they went into so that's why it came out so quickly after Modern Life is Rubbish because they felt you know what while well, we still got back in let's get in and let's get recorded.
1: Yeah, there's there is um, there is some reports about how they were in financial difficulty due to, as you say, the kind of disappointing sales and reception of uh, modern life is rubbish i say disappointing reception critics liked it but yeah as you say it didn't sell that much but maybe this is why they're so kind of balls to the wall everything in the kitchen sink when it comes to park life they don't hold anything back they're very much
0: yeah, you say everything but the kitchen sink going at it. I really think they do on this album. One thing that really stands out to me on it is how different each of the tracks are.
3: Mm. There
0: is no sort of theme running through the album other than English and British So um, within the lyrics. But I think in terms of the actual styles of music, I really struggled to form putting them together as one, there's such contrast between them.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's very mismatched. It's like a bit higgledy-piggledy, a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit of everything. And there we go, there's an album, that's what you've got. I don't think it flows at all.
0: But do you think that's part of its charm or do you think that's a detriment
2: to it? In my opinion, I'd say it's a detriment, but that's just because of my personal thoughts on the album, whether (laughs) that's something that other people think. I mean, at the time it was quite critically acclaimed so clearly other people like it but i don't know
0: you struggle i i am on the same opinion as usual i struggle with that because it's such a mismatch i'm the same when i listen to an album i like it to flow Mm -hmm. i like there to be a theme running through it and i like to to be able to have those songs individually but know that they've got that album sound to it so Mm -hmm. yeah i agree with you what do you think paul
1: i do you know i agree with both of you i think we're three for three here it's I agree. The theme is Englishness. I don't think it's Britishness. Uh, I know that there's people that say it's you know Britpop is obviously British pop, but it, it's not. It's not about Britain. It's a very English centric uh, sound, and the the sounds that that stick out for me are an album closer like Lot One Hundred Five. I I'm not going to lie to you. I don't like that as a track but i understand where it's coming uh, coming from it's music hall it's end of the pier it's it's carry on camping it's it's very self-aware and again it knows exactly what its influences are but it doesn't mean that i like it and i struggle with the fact that there is no consistency in the theme in the tone it jerks around and it pulls me out of listening to it at times. You know, you go from one track into another and there's suddenly this complete change in genre, in tempo, in sound, and it's it's difficult to listen to it as a singular piece. There's some fantastic songwriting in there.
0: Some incredible songwriting, yeah. I would say. Because mm. having said that about the album as a whole, mm. I love some of the tracks on there. Like really love some of the tracks. It's just as an album for me it doesn't doesn't hit it.
1: It's yeah, and like a lot of some of the lyrics are great. There's some real depth and some ingenuity in it. And then you get, I don't want to be too critical because I've never released an album that's become critically acclaimed and zeitgeisty. yeah. But on the other hand, Clover over Dover is a big pile of wine. Yeah, I
3: agree.
1: Yeah, it literally rhymes over and over and clover and dover. It's the Ladybird Book of Songwriting. (laughs) And I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a this... I'm sorry. Who signed off on it? What were they doing?
0: Hey, it was a, a heady time. Have you ever read Alex James's book, Bl- Bit of a Blur? Yeah, I have. Fantastic it is... book.
1: It is a bit of a blur.
0: Yeah, it is a bit of a. I think this was uh, in the middle of that. I think he was drinking quite a bit.
1: <laughs> I you should things. say
0: that. <laughs> and I presume the rest of the band might have been as well. Um, young lads. Young Southern lads, do you really think that they um, are representing um, the youth of that age across the country?
1: I think they're representing a particular demographic mm. in a particular area mm-hmm. of the are UK. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: agree. And I, But I think they're trying to dumb down. Um, I think they're
1: trying to say, we're one of you, but really were they this is what gets me about girls and boys it's a great song it truly is it's anthemic it's you know people from ages 80 to 8 know the song even now but the lyrics aren't celebratory they're not celebrating going on holiday they are being quite satirical almost and they're being almost a little bit despondent and disparaging of uh, of of sexuality and and of youth sexuality at that time. I mean, the lyric love in the 90s is paranoid. It's everyone's so overly self aware of who they are and what their sexuality is. That it, a, a good example for me is uh, "The Streets Fit," but you know it came out. You know, over ten years after "Girls and Boys" came out. Yes, about that time. About ten uh, years. About later, ten yeah. years. Yeah. But the difference is "Streets Fit," but you know it. It's essentially the same story it's Mm -hmm. people going on holiday to these mediterranean holiday resorts Mm -hmm. but it's not disparaging of it it celebrates it and it's completely self-aware and it's saying yeah we're going on holiday we're only going on holiday to drink and have sex but what's wrong with that we're young we're, we're free to do that it seems as though a blur in in girls and boys want to celebrate it but they don't necessarily know how to do it properly without it sounding like they're being a bit aloof about it if that makes sense
0: uh, yeah I guess so but I don't know don't you think it's almost a bit tongue in cheek looking at it going you know what this is uh, this is how people are uh, why not celebrate it I think it's almost the opposite of what you're saying
1: That's fair enough. I just think it's the case that <sighs> they don't have enough familiarity necessarily with the working classes in order to properly represent them. Mm. Cool, cool.
0: <laughs> I think the album as a whole. I, uh, in terms of the lyrics, I think some of them are fantastic. Uh, some of them I do really struggle with, and I think uh, as a band they did too. I think it's to the end. They were saying basically the the songs were recorded quite quickly. Mm. Obviously, you mentioned before they had financial issues at the time and uh, so everyone wanted to get in recorded record and get out type thing but really struggled with Till the end um now apparently um Till the end is based on the shipping forecast yeah and uh, words that are used within the shipping forecast and essentially it sounds like a bit of um a bit of a a jumble, almost too no, much of a jumble. And that,
1: this is a low. This
0: is a low. Sorry, I'm getting mistaken there. It's, it is. This is a low, definitely. Confusion, <laughs> like <I> <laughs> it's a hundred percent. This is a low. My um, face
1: squirming with confusion.
0: Yeah, um, but but I think that's one of the most beautiful songs on the album. Mm. So I'm not saying that that's a bad thing if they're struggling for lyrics and they are just almost plucking them out of thin air. I think I've read that. Um, Alex bought um, Damon a tea towel of the shipping forecast and he was basically taking word from that and trying to almost force a song out of it but it works Mm.
1: I think they're better with abstract than literal I think they're much better with abstract songwriting than Um, they are with um. documentarian songwriting end of the century end of a century is about a couple that are Kind of losing that spark, losing that excitement that first preceded yeah. the relationship.
0: Damon, Justin, isn't it? Justine yeah, Freishman
1: of Elastica. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: that's what it was written about, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. basically that.
1: <laughs> but it's okay. So that's that's kind of drawn from memory, drawn from experience, and yet whether it's just because it's too close to the bone. Um, I mean, good art comes from truth, they say, and, and so on. But whether it's because it's too close to the bone or just because he's not able to effectively capture the nuances of that kind of situation in comparison to Jarvis Cocker who very easily records the ins and outs of kitchen sink everyday drama.
0: Studio album, weren't there? A studio album studio band weren't they everyone always says you compare blue and oasis of course you compare blue and oasis oasis with the live band they'd get out there and have that live atmosphere yeah. and everyone would go mental uh, you're always saying that in song style as well it's like they could tell a real life story um, because they've grown up on the streets of manchester Jarvis scott's grown up on the streets of sheffield and lived that life whereas blue were more about making a sound and making it perfect
1: it's about the art of it yeah the yeah. art of it
0: which is great and i love blur for that i'm a big big blur fan for that
1: and you, and you can see the crossover with uh when they go into goldsmith college and, and you know you've got childhood friends you've got uh, new friends that they're, that they're making there that you know become this band you can see them at goldsmith college taking this more academic uh, um, artistic approach to making music, whereas, as you say, with Oasis, there it's a much more instinctual, um, emotional, physical, visceral experience for them. Definitely. So, who was it
0: competing with at the time? What was, uh, what else was out there at the same time as Blur's Park Life? I know uh, one of your favourites polls was Deacon Blue, Grace Sitting number three, number three in the charts. Two spaces below <laughs> where they should have been. <laughs> as Blur's Part Life occupies that number one in its first week sales. Down there, number three, we've got Deacon Blue Greatest Hits. As soon as I saw that, when I was looking at it, I just thought of you, Paul. Oh. I to sing the blues. <laughs> Every time I hear that song,
1: I just think of you. <laughs> oh, it's a banger. <laughs> Perhaps we're doing the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we are. Uh, no, I think that's fine. You know, time brings out everything that's true, and them being at number one, I think that's correct. I don't, I don't think there's any argument there. Okay, you say yeah. time, time brings
0: out what's true. Has the album aged well? Twenty-five years later, what do you think, Charlotte? Uh,
2: not for me. No, I think like the singles are great, but they're very of the time. Like, you wouldn't hear Girls and Boys released today. I don't think you wouldn't hear Life released today. It's very 90s. And I think some of the tracks on the album are just, like, I don't even know. Like, why are they there? So, for me, (laughs) it's definitely not aged well because when the days of people not listening to albums as much, why would you listen to that full album? Why would you not just listen to the singles? Because for me... Apart from a few other album tracks, the singles are the best bit of it.
0: Yeah, I think so. I struggle with the full album. Yeah. I listen to it all. Mm. By the time I get to the end of the album, I'm thinking, is this still going? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's too because. long. Yeah. And because they front load it with the best songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. The best songs are at the beginning of the album, apart from This Is A Low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm right. just going to stand away from it at the minute yes. because This Is A Low is a fantastic song.
1: It's a very strong opener. You've got the opening four tracks of yeah. Girls and Boys, Tracy Jacks, um, and then followed by that, you've got... End
2: uh, of a Century.
1: End of a Century, yeah. And
2: um, Park Life. And
1: Park Life, thank you for that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally done my research there. <laughs> um, so you've got this first sort of 15 minutes or so, where you're just like, wow, bloody hell, killer, no filler, mm. and then here comes the filler. Yeah. Yeah. Because again you mentioned that they rushed to do a lot of these songs very quickly and album I just said at the start of the podcast had proclaimed that the third album's going to be this quintessential English album and I just think he kind of jumped before he realized how deep the water was. <laughs> really like Jubilee I think it's a good song, I don't think it's a single but w- there's so much influence from previous iconic bands
0: I just swear it's a Roxy music
1: track yeah it's very much Virginia Plains <laughs> it sounds as though it ought to be Virginia Plains with that kind of crazy saxophone that you hear running through it
0: I agree Paul and that's definitely my original idea <laughs> <laughs>
1: People can't see me quite frustrated right now. <laughs> we weren't
0: talking about this album before we hit record, honestly. It,
1: I think there's a lot of Suffragette City in there as well from Bowie, but I, overall there's tons of glam in there. Yeah, and I don't, and there's a lot of new wave, and I don't think people people think that Britpop was this kind of reversion back to sixties melodies, sixties pop, mm-hmm. but it's still really informed. By seventies prog, by eighties uh, new wave, like so, Ultravox. I've got a track called Rock Rock, and it's it's all all but in name, a, a blur track. I'll play a clip so we can listen to it. But it's basically, it, it's a blur track.
0: punky track that Blair always tend to have on albums yeah. i really do tend to really love it one of my favorite being on out of um think
1: tank oh crazy, crazy, Beats. Beats. crazy Beats. what a track underrated <laughs> track great track <laughs> what a
0: song that is i love it
1: you say that you say you love the the punkish tracks mm. but bank holiday is not a great track on this no, album no no I, I mean what, what what were your thoughts on bank holiday charlotte
2: i just feel like it was a bit unnecessary like why are you there why? Are you...
1: <laughs> why? Are you, what is you? What are you
2: doing here? Basically, like after park life, you just like, what is this? Well yeah.
0: struggling with the album we're saying it's not aged well but let's let's bring it back let's give it some positivity right here in the room what's your favorite tracks on the album
2: uh i think my favorite track is this is Alone," uh just because it's such a good blur track i think it's probably one of the best tracks and i think it just kind of showcases how good they actually can be when they try to be good band that they have become (laughs) and have become known for
1: Uh, i agree Mm. i think this is a low is probably the best track on the album i think it's one of their best tracks Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i agree absolutely love this is a low not quite my favorite though to the end is mine absolutely love it as a what we mentioned what i mentioned before about blur being the 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 ultimate studio band Mm. i think it's so well put together and I love the composition of it, and you can tell it's just uh, it's it's really thought through. Honestly. I love the intro as well. I really love it. I always think of it as a, a bit Bond themey. Mm-hmm. I'm not not always the biggest fan of a Bond theme, but I do. Uh, it does make me think of that. Okay, so other favorite tracks, other standup tracks. But yeah,
1: I mean Tracy Jacks. I love. I think it's great. I think it's just them doing the things. Yes, it's just them definitely. going, let's be the King. And they're, and they're just being the King's tribute act. And I like it. What's wrong with that? I think it's. I do think it could have been a single, yes.
0: Uh, I also agree that Damon Albarn does just want to be Ray Davies
1: of the King's.
0: <laughs> oh, he, yeah. But he's openly come out and said, many times so how much you're fanning is of Ray Davies. And why not?
2: Wonderful man. Mm-hmm. I think,
0: well, wonderful good. songwriter.
1: Yeah. How about you, Charlotte? What's your favourite track on the album?
2: Probably Park Life. Yeah. Just because it's park life yeah. <laughs> and it's great <laughs> it's just fun it's endemic. it's sing-along it's yeah.
0: just fun it is <laughs> come on look at the video as well i love the video for yeah park life. it's yeah. cheeky it's silly it's funny it's got phil daniels on it
1: for god's sake <laughs> <laughs> do you know my problems with when i was a kid i couldn't remember phil daniels name so he even came out as paul daniels <laughs> Or Phil Collins. Can you, imagine, <laughs> can you imagine either of those in Phil Daniels' place on Park Life? old Daniels at the start of the track. You like this track, but not a lot.
3: <laughs> That's <Maggie. laughs> That was
0: <Bartlett. laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> okay, so we mentioned our favourite tracks on the album. A little bit later on, we are going to look at the singles on the album and, and talk about whether they were in fact the correct singles. That is all coming up in
1: part two after we have had an interview with... So this is Angie Main. Um As I've mentioned, she currently lives and works in the north of England, just outside of Newcastle. She's got her own um, brewery, uh, brewery, sorry, she's got her own bar and bottle shop called The Ink Spot, which looks beautiful to be fair. Um, but back in the nineties, she was working in the Midlands and throughout the Midlands, she managed Virgin Megastores and our price stores. You mentioned in the email that you were um, working at Virgin Megastores and our prices in the nineties. So whereabouts was that? Was that in Coventry or somewhere else?
4: Yeah, so I started. Well, I actually started in Rugby, um, and as you kind of got promoted, or if, if you know you're a bit short staffed, you moved all over the place. So. I started in rugby, our prize worked in Coventry, Nuneaton had a really big our prize, um, Oxford, Banbury, and when I was in Banbury, one of my Christmas temps was Colin Greenwood from Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> that would be so. Just before I had my son, so ninety two, ninety one, ninety two, maybe. Because my son, was born in '94, yeah, so I, yeah, probably '91, I'd say.
5: That was sort of just mm, before they hit yes, the. Yes, he's
4: very surly, didn't? Uh, didn't like dust in the shower, I remember that. Um, so then I got. Then, <laughs> then I started to work in the Oxford megastore, which was actually a really cool place to be. There were lots of musicians working there, hanging around. It's very good scene in Oxford. Um, and then Virgin opened a next store in Coventry while I opened it for them. So um, so that was pretty cool. So I did, I worked for Our Price and Virgin till, I think when I was there, till 95. Yeah, my son was a year old and I left. And I remember, I mean, just, you were, just buying, you were buying stock by the hundreds, you know, I mean, hundreds. I remember being in the Nanita Our Price for Christmas and it was just box load and box load and box load, hundreds and hundreds of you know, CDs and albums of, of one title. And people would buy several. Um yeah, it was interesting. I was, you know, I was just reflecting on on that time and just thinking, you know, what it was like. Um and one of the great things about working for, for Virgin and Our Price is you've got not only to get a staff discount, but you've got a lot of free stuff. Um I was looking yeah, back cool. at some of the stuff I was listening to in the nineties, as well as Britpop, I'm a massive Prince fan. Um, and you know the Prince White yeah. labels that I got, and just just tons from Warner Music. I mean, tons wow. and tons of stuff. Um, what was
1: what would you say was the obviously in the early nineties you've got this uh, overriding presence of grunge. They're they're kind of um, they're the mainstays, and then it slowly transitions across to Britpop, or does it quickly transition over to bit Britpop? You mentioned the Suede album um, and then Oasis as well, but what were what was the tipping point where suddenly it wasn't American albums that people were wanting but predominantly. Well, it's funny you should say that, British because albums. I
4: was thinking about the American influence. And, you know, all of a sudden there was that sense of, you know, British music and home pride stuff. Um, you know, I don't honestly know what the tipping point was. I was trying to think about it earlier, that um, whether it was grassroots or whether we were just swamped with Oasis and... and and Blur, Radiohead sneaking in, but you know, in there was very, you know, a very definite movement. Pulp you'll talk about. Um, I mean, Radiohead were, I mean, huge. I think REM was maybe a bit of a tipping point because they, they, you know, they were always an undercurrent. They were mainstream, but they were both a bit left wing. People that had good music taste liked REM. Um, so maybe there was just a sense of, you know. A different kind of songwriting coming back. Uh, so, certainly people were listening to yeah. long players. People were listening to albums over singles. It was interesting. And people were kind of, I think people were kind of getting back to almost a sense of the early 80s with, you know, the Smiths um, and, you know, enjoying a British accent and writing about British stuff. In the 80s were a bit grim, I think we' trying to fantasize and we bought the American dream, and all of a sudden it was back to you know British fashion, you know things were happening, happening the economy was picking up. you know there was a lot the fact that there was a lot of money around in the in the very late eighties early nineties
1: yeah, absolutely, mm. I totally agree uh, you know obviously you mentioned Radiohead Radiohead
5: mm. You're from Oxford, and
1: you were also was it Radiohead that you were championing in in particular stores like Oxford or with the particular bands that, say, Warner Brothers or other Island Records, for example, would be, no, you need to, this is the band that you're selling this week, this um, month,
4: today. Yeah, Virgin were really good to work for. If you were the album buyer, you were, you know, you were pretty much free to buy what you wanted. I mean, one of the great things about working for Virgin was it was massively entrepreneurial. They trained you incredibly well in everything from... Um, you know, merchandising into marketing, to, and the staff training was, you know, pretty exceptional. And but it was like your business. So as a store manager, you know, you set the P and L, you you manage your stock control, um, and 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 you kind of built your own profile of what would sell locally, and you work with the local reps, and there would definitely be a sense of what would sell in your town. I mean, moving from the to Coventry to Leicester to Crew to Birmingham would, would be, you know, a very different different sense of what you would sell. So it was about knowing your, knowing your local audience, you know, local DJs at clubs. Um, you'd get a sense of the acts that were coming to town, and you would, you know, kind of stack up on what they were selling. But Coventry was always really interesting, and you, you you made me think by talking about Ireland. It always had a lot of reggae in Coventry, and it never went away. A lot of R&B. Island had a lot of good R and B stuff, you know, and Jeff Jam was surfacing during that time. There's so also that rap undercurrent, you know, that 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 yeah, was happening absolutely. as well. So we saw a broad range of music. It was definitely not a Britpop takeover in a in a typical Virgin megastore. Um, you yeah. know, a lot of R and B selling. You know, and a lot of people that were into grunge and metal, interestingly, to rap. Um, from a very similar kind of group of people, which sounds really weird. I understand um, that
1: completely, yeah, that mm. sense of disenfranchisement, mm. that, uh, there's a lot of angst in it, there's a lot of expression that people see as just being violent, but it's just, it's expression through aggression.
4: Yeah, and and you know, and just a, you know, strong narrative, a strong vocal, so, so, you know, we weren't pushed to sell anything in particular, and also there probably would have been a riot, because everybody that worked in a Virgin Megastore, you know, identified strongly with the music that they liked, I mean, my you know, my best friend, who I hired as a Christmas temp, was a very surly punk with a green Mohican. <laughs> uh, you know, she was, there was no way she was going to push, uh, you know, a particular album. Um, you know, she was too busy wearing her clogs and, and listening to New Model Army. Um, so, you know, people were very strongly identified with the music that they like.
1: So how important would you say these record stores are to you as a person?
4: I would not have had the range of musical education and taste that i've had unless i would walked into that hour price looking for a christmas temp job um so you know it wasn't it was not binary it wasn't you liked it or you didn't there was a massive range of really interesting music around
1: angie it's been a pleasure to speak with you thank you very much <laughs>
0: Welcome back to Remember the First Time. We're talking about Bullish Park Life, but great interview there with Andrew Main, and giving us some insight into uh, running record stores in the 90s. So, getting back to the album, Parklife, correct singles. Do you think they were or not? If we look at what there was, Girls and Boys, To the End, Park Life and End of a Century. Do you think they were the right ones? Which is your favourite single? I bet you can guess which my favourite single is.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I'm assuming your favourite single is Park Life. It's not. I was going to say To The End, because we favourite track on the album.
0: But as a single, I think Park Life is a better single. Personally,
1: I would have I would have said Push, This Is A love over To The End. I think it's the better song. But with with the way that it was then, with singles
0: promoted as an album, albums are still making bands money. Mm. Do you think that would have captured... The attention uh, in the way that the other singles were back then.
1: I can understand why they released this is a low. Sorry, uh, why they released to the end because again it's that kitchen sink drama that other bands were we, we were talking about. It was on vogue, so you know I understand why they did it. But okay,
0: okay, I do not have uh, memories of the singles. Coming out as such, I remember some of the songs, like say Part Life. I remember people shouting it at school, and I, I had in my head this like vivid memory of um, Blur playing Girls and Boys on top of the Pops, right. Can I find it? Nope. Made-up memory. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, either that or it's not on YouTube, because I was looking for ages. i had lots of clips of them doing different things on Top of the Pops, but I swear I had this real clean memory um, of <laughs> Girls and so Boys on, like, Top of the Pops. Could have been a different TV show? It could have been. Like... But I can't remember the name of any of the TV programs from around there. TV
3: live?
0: That's oh, a bit oh, later. Uh, Touch later. It might even kick in. Yeah, yeah it might have been something live. like... Yeah, it might have been. Or... Hey, I just Saturday. remember I just remember Graham Coxon. <laughs> okay,
1: yeah, I just remember Graham Coxon. That would have been a terrible program. Hey, uh,
0: I don't know if I was allowed to stay up late enough to watch Jules Holland back then.
1: Well, maybe you did. Maybe that. Maybe you did, but you've repressed it. Maybe. Well, <laughs> maybe. obviously you've not repressed it because you've got this memory of it, but it's not real. Well, anyway, it's not real. we make up
0: memories, don't we, all the time. Obviously, clearly, I, and I do him off definitely. top of the watching top of the box. I think made up. I
1: think made up memories are called stories. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. Anyway, um, my my <laughs> overriding memory of Blur is being so. I was aware of them. I didn't really have any kind of major thoughts on them. But being in my early early teens and being around at a friend's house and I think it's UK Choice was the channel, or UK Play, Play UK, and Rock Profile being on. And it's got um, David Walliams and Matt Lucas being the members of Blur whilst being interviewed (laughs) by Jamie Theakston. (laughs) And (laughs) and that's my memory of Blur. That's my initial understanding of who Blur were. (laughs) And it still stays with me (laughs) to this day. (laughs)
5: <laughs> you always left the toilet seat down. <laughs> Still got my more dressing gown. <laughs> you never
0: made a <laughs> look at <it> when <laughs> That was way later. I swear, that was
1: way later. That, that was early noughties. I think it might have been like late. It might have been about 2000, so that yeah. would have made me about 15, 14, 15. Which, I'd say, my, my early teens. To mid teens, admittedly. But that's kind of when... Well, actually, no. Tell a lie. My <laughs> earliest memory of Blur is buying Beetlebum on single. Because I wanted song two. But they didn't have it in so I bought so They bought Beetlebum instead. And you, you listen to that <laughs> and, go, well, and It's and very you, different. <laughs> you listen to that and you go,
3: is this the same band?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's... And, my, and my, I remember the video... Had kind of like a quick whip pan out from I think the ground to the sky. Are we talking yeah. about Beetle Bum here? Or something? Yeah, on yeah.
0: Beetle Bum. I cannot remember the, yeah. the video yeah, for Beetle Bum.
1: Yeah,
0: do I can't yeah. picture it.
1: I remember like giving me vertigo. Really? Watch, watching it and being like, huh?
0: like that. <laughs> I'm going to watch it while we're talking. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll just no. chat. Yeah. Darren's telling me, though. Yeah. yeah, but this is two albums later, Paul. We're, we're talking about Five at the minute. We've still got we got the great escape to come in between now and then. That's the right, Paul. <laughs> the, That's wow. a fantastic album, though. You Blur talk, is you, such a good album.
1: You're talking about, hey, nine-year-old child, why don't you know more about Blur? <laughs> I don't know. I'm in school. <laughs> I'm, I can't help
0: that. <laughs> is, that your, is that your memory of being nine years old, being in school? Well, I hated school. What
1: were you doing at nine years well, old? I was going to school, but it's not like my most vivid memories of being nine. I I'm not saying it's my most vivid, I'm just saying it's like, it's like saying what's your most vivid memory of being, like, 19, you'd be like, oh, I was at university, you know. True. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Shut <man>. up, Mark. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just got YouTube up to look at me. And you can see I'm searching for it. Girls and Boys, Top of the Pops, 94. <laughs> like, Why can't I find it anywhere? It's just not on sense. YouTube. No. It's not real. No. But there is like they did do it on t- in 2000. So it was been, like, well, this isn't the one that I remember.
1: Could it have been on The Word, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe.
0: I don't know if The Word was still going in 94. I don't know. I don't know. I just remember it being really fun, being on screen and just being like, yeah, just loving it, genuinely loving it, but not really having like an appreciation of it of being music, just being like upbeat and like, yeah, seeing them go mad on screen for it. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So I also love the Part Life video. Part Life video is silly. That's why I like it. <laughs> Phil Daniels, window salesman, walking around streets of wherever they're meant to be, Chuck in a, a part-life and two. You've got uh, Dave Rowntree and Alex, uh, Alex James
1: as a couple at one point. I am really glad you've said Dave Rowntree's name, because I'm not going to lie, I can remember all the members of Blur, but I always refer to him just as the drummer. <laughs> and again, all right. I, I blame Rock Profile's interview with Blur because of that, <laughs> because all the way through, they just completely ignore Dave Rowntree. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, anyway, moving on. Yeah, so <laughs> Phil, Phil Daniels
0: is in the video too. I love Phil Daniels. I'm not gonna lie. He's a cheeky chappy. He's like everyone
1: loves. Him. Do you love Phil Daniels?
2: <laughs>
1: Charlotte, do you do you love actor Phil Daniels? I
2: mean, he's alright. Yeah.
1: I'm going to have to go with Charlotte there and say he's <laughs> all right. Oh, I love him. I mean, I've, I've got memories of
0: uh, seeing him on stage at Leeds just 2003 when they were playing. Yeah. And then bringing him out. We were all sitting in sheepskin coats and uh, he comes out on stage and... Uh, it was suddenly
1: very, very... Dellboy Trotter, wasn't it? Yeah. The fact that we all had sheepskin. Or John Watson. Why do we have uh, sheepskin jackets on? I've it forgotten. was cold and yeah. they were five pound. Right, OK. That's, that's why we had them on. About
5: eight of us. Yeah. I know all the lingo, like an EastEnders. I go up the apples and pears stairs, and I sit on the apples and pears chairs, and I get an autograph from apples and pears Lionel Blairs.
0: So apparently he was brought in to recite a poem on Debt Collector, which is probably my least favourite track on the album. But they couldn't find a poem for him to read. So they got him to sing the lead lyric. From part life. <laughs> the main it. single. I love it. Absolutely love it. You How versatile think, can you be
1: right? to do that? <laughs> Wouldn't you think, like, oh we've got Phil Daniels coming in to read a poet a poem out for us on this album? Has anyone written the poem? No. You <laughs> written it? Well, or at least got one ready. Yeah. I
0: think it was I don't think they were gonna write one for him. I think they were gonna he was gonna recite a poem, an existing poem almost.
1: Well, again, can kind of feel like just a little bit of admin before right? <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit of admin would have, I mean, it would have obviously not made part of life, but I mean, maybe it would be. We're talking about butterfly flapping its wings here, but I just feel like they could have prepared a bit more. Well, they're rushing things through, Paul. I they're getting have... it out there quickly. There's a lot of things going wrong. I just feel like they could have prepared a bit more. Is essentially my thoughts for hmm. the entire album. <laughs> well, you're not alone. Um, so, Food Records, it's
0: released on Food Records. David Balf the owner, he was not happy with Part Life. Did he, he make said, a deal of it? He did. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he did. He owns Food Records. <laughs> Love it. Can
1: <laughs> <don't know> you <laughs> <laughs> guys
0: didn't get it. I mean, just I'm just think- helping help the listeners
1: out there. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, did you get that joke? Not
0: quite.
2: Oh, oh no, 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 explain it again. Can you explain it to Shut Charlotte?
0: Shut up, please. <laughs> Shut up. Anyway, he thought the album was, quote, a mistake. Why? <laughs> and he even sold food records to EMI not long after. Thank God,
1: that's... That's a mistake. That's a, that's a big mood, isn't it? Yeah, like, thats is a big I'm, I'm really frustrated with this album that I'm just going to sell the record for Well, it doesn't
0: say, well, I didn't say that was the reason why. It just says, it just says he sold it soon after. Mm. I, mean, yeah, I mean, I'm only just putting two and two together, eh? <laughs> the album goes on to sell five million copies. It can't have been that much of a mistake. How was it received? Enemy nine out of ten. Q, four out of five. Rolling Stone four out of five. Now you know how angry it made me. Rolling Stone made me with his and hers <laughs> two point five out of five. I'm not going to let that drop ever. <laughs> Rolling Stone are giving this four out of five. How do we feel about that? Fair result. Um, Nine out of ten's a bit too much for me.
2: Yeah. I'd say maybe three stars. Like the singles are great, but the rest of the albums filler. So maybe it only deserves three
1: for the singles and then the rest is just like, redundant. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd say it's seven out of ten. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I agree with exactly what you said, Charlotte. The, the singles are that strong that it pulls the rest of the album higher. Yeah, yeah. they mm. are so good. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the numbers stack up.
0: Say, so, should it have done better... Or should it? Or did it overachieve? Got chart position, number one in the UK. Four times platinum. I found my stats. Four times platinum in the UK. Sold over five million copies worldwide. A million of those were in the UK. Won Best Album, 1995 Brit Awards. Yet, it's still missed out to End people at the Mercury.
1: I don't think you should have been
0: Mercury nominated. Really? No. No. What do you reckon to that Best Album at the 1995 Brit Awards?
1: Think it was, I think that's fine, because I think you're talking about two different entities Yeah, there.
0: Very much so. Yeah. Mercury's is obviously a world apart
1: from the Brits. Yeah, and um,
0: then
1: we're talking about populism versus criticism. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it being nominated for winning Best Album at the Brits.
0: I just think it's bold, a bold statement saying it shouldn't be uh, even uh, considered for the Mercury. That's my opinion. <laughs> we're going to bring into this fine podcast of ours the remember the first time charts at the minute there are only two positions we've got two entries so far we've got pulp his and hers and we've got blur's park life where are we going to put blur's park life in this chart of two I'll answer it first. It's going in at number two for me. Yeah. For me, it's got to sit below Pulp's his and hers. It's For me, it's not as good an album. I
1: yeah. agree. Yeah, agree totally. In at number two.
0: Right, in it goes. Welcome, *Park Life*. number two in the Remember the First Time charts. Right, coming up next, we are going to have a look at what you listeners have been saying to us across social media and uh, an email or two
5: in
0: Charlotte, what have people been saying? What have we been asking them?
2: Well. A couple of weeks ago, we asked them to provide their memories of the Blur's Parklife album and we have some tweets and some Instagram comments. So first up, a tweet from Alex Lee Richards, who said that his memory of Blur was crowd surfing to Tracy Jacks at Mile End in 1995,
1: sounds pretty cool. Nice. I think that gig had John Shuttleworth as one of the supporters. Really? Just with his weird little keyboard. I think that'd be
3: brilliant. His weird little keyboard? Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: his keyboard. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> okay.
2: Okay. Um, Atgam1701 said that his memory was putting it on while he was working night shifts and his workmates thinking the debt collector sounded like a German umpaw band.
0: I would agree with his workmate. <laughs>
2: Okay, at Jamie DFA said the gig in the Plaza Ballroom, Glasgow, watching side of stage with Louise from Sleeper. Great night! Not oh, what?
0: That does sound like a good night. Glasgow in the nineties, a gig. Oh, it's gonna be heavy.
1: Well, yeah, uh, at the side of the stage. Yeah, Glasgow <laughs> ninety side of the stage. Another band members next year. Basically, it's that's very zeitgeisty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm all up for that. Yeah. Take me back.
2: <laughs> Another tweet from Justin Lim who said that everything about it made him want to be Graham Coxon, that lilting rift on This Is a Lower Specialist.
0: Oh, I agree. Whoa. I love Graham Coxon.
2: Quite a nice one from Matthew Perryman who said, When I was 18, I met my girlfriend dancing to girls and boys in Cardiff Subways, the greatest indie venue ever. Girlfriend became my wife, to the end was our wedding song and I now constantly <laughs> piss our twelve year old daughter off with my blur infatuation. Oh, That's quite a nice story. I like it. I There's nothing that. wrong
0: with that. To the end, what a beautiful first dance. All for that. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And finally an Instagram comment from the amused one. Saying that this is actually the most overrated blur album. However, Tracy Jacks is a cracking album track.
1: I think you've hit the nail on the head there, the amused one. I think that's... No, I can't disagree with that. I don't think I did disagree with that, to be fair. (laughs) I think (laughs) the last hour has told us that we uh, are on the same wavelength.
0: (laughs) Fantastic.
2: And that wraps up the socials.
0: Awesome. (laughs) Moving on then. I think we can all agree that we got quite excited at the quiz last uh, last episode.
1: <laughs> Paul, you've got
0: a lot to live up to as a host uh, on episode two for the
1: quiz. What have you got for us? Uh, I have got this to begin with. Let's go, girls. Question one. We <laughs> have picked up four accolades. Best British album, best British group, best British single, and best British video at the nine ninety five Brit Awards. But what act won Best British Newcomer at the same ceremony? Okay. Best British Newcomer. Bye.
0: So it's talking about 94, really. Uh,
1: okay. Okay. Everyone got an answer? I've got an answer. Charlotte, have you got an answer? <laughs> no. Make up an
2: answer.
1: I've made up an answer, but I think it's <laughs> terrible. Okay. Question two. How many times is the word girls sung in the song Girls and Boys oh go <laughs> on
0: I'm going to chorus so I'm like, hang on a minute I'm going to try and get this out of my fingers and thumbs 10 My dear, 9, 8 7 6 5 4 3
1: 2 1 moving on right let me write that down. I've kind of worked it out everyone got an answer yeah that's a nod of the head lovely question 3 in the single, Park Life, the following line is uttered. It's nothing to do with your vorsprung Dutch technique, you know. But what car company was this the slogan of? Mark's looking confident. I've got one out of three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that answer. Well, you're
2: probably matching my record. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Charlotte, how confident are you feeling?
2: Er... Uh...
1: Not. Not. So, question one. Well picked up four accolades at the nineteen ninety five Brit Awards. They were for
4: British album,
1: British group, British single and British video. But who got best newcomer in the nineteen ninety five Brit Awards? It was
4: Charlotte.
0: Right here, eh? Right? <laughs> oh i think that was a, there were newcomers a few years before that. I'm guessing that we've gone back to ninety four for the ninety five Brits really. I'm gonna guess at Oasis. And the point goes to Mark. Yes,
3: come on.
1: <laughs> Question two: How many times is the word "girls" sung in "Girls and Boys"? Before that, I will accept the closest Oof. as as a point. Oh, okay. So, Mark, how many times is "girls" sung in "Girls and Boys"?
0: 35. 35? I put
1: 35. Oh! <laughs> how are we going? this on that, then, Paul? Quite simply. Neither
0: of you get a point. You know. Okay, how many was it?
1: 28 times. Oh,
0: not that far <laughs> off. Are. Right, only 25%. Oh, okay. right. You're not that far off,
1: but neither of you are closer. Okay. We're so we
2: both as close as each
1: other. So you both equally are wrong. Equally right. Oh, or equally
2: near.
1: Yeah. <laughs> look,
2: look, Aaron, Come I'm on,
1: by, boy. The last <laughs> Question three. Wait,
0: where, where are we on points here then? Uh, it's one to you, none to Charlotte. Not 2 1. Okay.
1: <laughs> 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 Absolutely not 2 1. Okay. Um, question three. It's nothing to do with your horse wrung Dutch technique, you know. It's spoken by Phil Daniels in Park Life. What is it the slogan of? What car company is it the slogan of? Charlotte?
2: Volkswagen? Target?
1: Mark. Howdy. Mark wins. <laughs> 2-0. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. I
0: haven't, <laughs> you. I haven't, got, I haven't got a jingle for, for winners. But I'm, what? Right. With all that effort to the Shania Twain. Right. I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs>
1: Mark, Mark.
5: Let's go, girls.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Paul. The quiz will return next, next, uh, next time you, we record for the next episode. Speaking of which, next time round we are going to be recording an episode on it's coming up to that time of year um, for Glastonbury so we're going to take a look back at Glastonbury in 1994. We're going to look at who headlined. We're going to look at who our favourite performances were. We're going to try and find out any juicy gossip from the festival. Oh, oh,
1: can you <laughs> imagine Lumber's it? Wicked whispers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. it'll be like
0: you were there, Paul. Oh, as, a as a nine-year-old, dancing a- around the field, traipsing
1: around the field oh. in the mud. You know what I've just realised? What?
0: You weren't even nine, and I wasn't ten in '94. At the minute, it was before my tenth birthday. This I was nine. You were eight. Oh my god. <laughs> Were you
5: still
0: three? Yeah. Oh, we've got this all wrong. We've got this all wrong. Yes. You were that age in ninety four, but come My on. My life was so
1: different when I was eight rather than <laughs> when I was nine, still live.
0: Anyway. Anyway. I will be I will be aging during the next episode. <laughs> I will be that ten year old, that wise ten year old. Wow. So that's uh, that's the next episode we're gonna be looking at. We'll be dropping that during the week of Glastonbury. 2019 but between now and then tell us what you think of this episode tell us what you think of blurs park life if you were there for 1994's glastonbury get in touch give us your memories so how can they get in touch how can they get in touch there are a few different ways they can visit the website remember the first time.com and there are numerous ways on there they can email do you at remember the first time how can they get in touch via social poll?
1: Uh, they can follow us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle rtf time. That's at rtf time. Same for both Instagram or Twitter. As I say, they can hashtag rtf time as well if they want. Uh-huh. And last but not least, we need to add songs. We need to add a song from the album to the playlist. We do. I'd forgotten this. I was going to end it. That's <laughs> why. That's why I'm here. Yes. <laughs> so the official Remember the First Time podcast. Uh, playlist that you can find on spotify just search for remember the first time you'll either find the podcast or you'll find the playlist
0: yeah that's true or you'll find the pulp song remember the first do you remember the first time because that's, that's all i ever find when i try and search us <laughs>
1: they've got their seo all wrong haven't they <laughs> come on so what single is going onto the playlist what single what track off of the uh, park life album is going onto the playlist anyone got any suggestions
2: well, I'd like to suggest my favourite track, which is This Is a Low. <laughs> I would also
1: like to support that argument, as I really like This Is a Low. Mark's doing a sad face. I was going to say, you know what?
0: Obviously, I'm going to say to the end, it's my favourite track on the album. But I was going to say, you know what? Let's go for self title Let's go blur Part Life per Part Life. But you know what? I love This Is a Low, so hey,
1: I'm with you. Welcome, This Is a Low. Welcome. Welcome to the playlist. And we also need to add a song ourselves that we've been listening to. So, Mark, what have you been listening to? What song do you want to add to the playlist? My uh, track that I've been listening to quite a bit
0: of late is uh, sticking with the Britpop theme. Again, we've been missing all Gallagher in his latest release, Black Star Dancing. It's a banger. Gets me up and moving. Gets me shaking my behind. <laughs> Charlotte.
2: Uh, mine is the Purple Disco Machine remix of In Degrees by Folds, which is a very good track.
1: And a mouthful. Oh, mouthful. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a deep cut. It is a deep
1: yeah. cut. Uh, and mine is a band called Penelope Isles, and their single Chlorine. It's shoegazy, it's a bit retro, I really like it. Nice,
0: I'll check it out. Four new tracks added to the playlist. That gives us eight. That's
1: true. That's true. <laughs>
0: It's, it's almost a, a half-hour listen. Yeah. It's, it's worthy of a called a playlist. <laughs> so, moving on, we're going to say goodbye. Thank you for listening to episode two of the podcast. Um, say goodbye, Paul. Bye-bye. Say goodbye, Charlotte.
2: Goodbye.
0: And I'm going to say goodbye too. On an ending note, we're going to quickly mention Blur's Damon Alban who, in 1994, told Enemy? for me, Park Life is like a loosely linked concept album involving all these different stories. It's the travels of the mystical lager eater, seeing what's going on in the world and commenting on it. Thank you very much, Damon. Thank you very much, Blair. Thank you very much to you, the listener, for joining us. We'll see you next episode.